As a strong, independent mother, there is nothing that will get in the way of your child's safety. Soberlink understands the importance of peace of mind when it comes to co-parenting after a divorce. Using the highest quality technology and with features like facial recognition and real-time results, moms like you are empowered with proof that your child is safe. Navigating life post-divorce can be difficult, and having a tool like Soberlink allows for one less thing to stress about. I created this community to provide support for divorced moms like me, which is why I partnered with Soberlink to create this resource, Tips for Single Moms Returning to Work. To access the guide and get $50 off your Soberlink device, visit www.soberlink.com forward slash MMO. This week on Moms Moving On. Narcissists, because they're so invested in their narrative, are telling the kids their narrative. And I've got many cases where the children start to believe and absorb the narcissist narrative. Keep track of things, keep a journal. I was just talking with somebody this week about how the narcissist in their case doesn't exercise their visitation a lot of the time. And I say, you've got to keep a record of that. So when they come to court and say, I want more time, you can say, yeah, but look, he gave up like 15% of his time last year. And here's the dates and times that happened. Life moves on. So why shouldn't we? This is Michelle Dempsey-Moltak, your host of Moms Moving On, navigating divorce, co-parenting, single motherhood, and moving on. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Moms Moving On. Thanks to your open and honest and communicative feedback, you have let me know that one of your favorite guests this summer was none other than Bill Eddy of the High Conflict Institute, author of many books, master of dealing with high conflict ex-spouses. And you learned so much from our first episode together on how to handle a high conflict ex-spouse that he's back today. And it is the first time in my podcast history that I invite somebody on basically just a few episodes after for their second um, recording. But there was so much left unfinished, Bill. And I'm so happy you're back with us today to chat about narcissistic exes. Glad to be on again, Michelle. And that's a good topic. It's a good topic. It's an unfortunate one to have to cover. Um, I have avoided it. I think this is my 93rd or 94th podcast recording. I have avoided it for this long. I'll tell you why. And I might've mentioned this in our first recording. I do feel the term is very overused. I think it's like a, a hot button word right now. And everybody's ex is a narcissist. Everyone's ex is crazy. And in a lot of ways, I feel that we don't have the right to label people uh, if we're not psychiatrists, if we're not holding on to the handbook. Um, but as we are becoming more and more educated about NPD, narcissistic personality disorder, we realize that many people in our lives may fit these characteristics. So why not just talk about it? put it out there and help everyone who's dealing with somebody who may exhibit narcissistic qualities. Yes. And I think that we are seeing more. So I'll let you take it from here, but uh, you're, you're right on topic. 
Well, for those of us who are just meeting you for the first time, can you let everybody know a little bit about yourself and your history in working with high conflict personality people? Sure. So I really started out as a child and family counselor in the 1980s. And I liked the conflict resolution side of things and thought about going into mediation. And in order to do like divorce mediation, it looked like it'd be good if I became a lawyer. So I went to law school and then uh, basically in the process found that my background as a counselor was helpful for uh, legal practice. So I went to court, represented clients for 15 years while also doing out-of-court mediation. And then when I was in court, I started noticing, well, there's a lot of people with mental health issues that aren't being recognized. And one of them was personality disorders, which our diagnostic manual says are about 15% of the U.S. population. And so we're bound to be dealing with them, but no one was really recognizing them. So I co-founded High Conflict Institute in 2008 with Megan Hunter, who'd been working in the Arizona court system. And we really wanted to educate people. But what you see on the surface is high conflict. So we really talked about high conflict personalities, but they usually have traits of personality disorders. So talking about personality disorders is something I believe we need to be doing more today so people understand what they're dealing with and how to how to do things differently because you're not going to change them but how you deal with them you can change that's and that's the motto i preach so often because i found in my own experience the faster i learned to give up trying to change how someone else was doing something and really just learn to like take a step back, worry about myself and what I can control, it made all the difference. But when you're just starting out on the divorce journey and your ex or soon-to-be ex has this type of personality, it's very stifling. It's very challenging. You often question, well, maybe I should just stay with him because divorcing him is going to be that much worse. Yeah, that's a real dilemma that people wonder about. And I always say it's really a question of degree because divorcing a narcissist can be a, a really terrible experience, a big roller coaster, uh, leave you with a lot of self-doubts, frustration, and public humiliation to some extent. On the other hand, staying with may be almost as bad, if not worse. So it's really a question of degree. And I don't tell people, oh, narcissist, divorce them, get out of there. I say you've got to decide for yourself, um, but you've got to look at the fact that what you see today is what you're going to see five years from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now. So it may be a question of when makes the most sense to end this process and, and move on with your life. Absolutely. And I, in the work that I do, I see that the women who probably need to leave this type of person the most is having the hardest time doing that because of the projection and because of the gaslighting. Um, but, you know, like I said, a lot of people will just assume because their ex is difficult or, or tough to deal with that he is, or she is a narcissist. What is the actual definition of somebody with narcissistic personality disorder? 
Well, when you get to the disorder, actually, as a clinical social worker, a licensed clinical social worker in California, I can diagnose personality disorders, depression, anxiety, schizophrenia, all those. And to, to diagnose someone, I have to I have to go through a couple levels. So the first level is, do they have internal distress or social impairment? If they do, then they may have a personality disorder. If it's a pattern of behavior, there's nine criteria in the DSM, the manual for therapists, if they have five out of nine factors. So I'm not going to tell you how to diagnose your ex, but those factors include things like arrogance, demand for endless admiration, a sense of entitlement, just self-absorption. And it's important to know, and, and demeaning behavior, demeaning, belittling behavior. So when people think, oh, he's narcissistic, like he's self-centered, that's often not a personality disorder. Where it's a personality disorder is, first of all, it sabotages his life in one or more areas. And it really includes putting other people down in order to put himself up. And as you mentioned, that really wears away at the self-esteem of a partner. Mm -hmm. and, and you can really get worn down. And the concept of gaslighting is so related to narcissists because they create their own narrative and say, this is what's happening. And you say, no, it's not. I can see this is what's happening. You say, no, it's not. And they have so much aggressive energy around their narrative. And that's one of the things I notice in particular about narcissists is they have a narrative that puts them up and puts you down. Mm -hmm. And it's really hard to listen to that for months and months and years, et cetera. Um, it does eat away at self-esteem. So that's, that's the part of narcissistic personality disorder that's really um, disabling and, and really uh, harmful. And it's, it takes so much for somebody to recover from, from a relationship like that. But of course, when you're getting divorced with kids, you never really have a chance to fully separate from this person because you now have to raise children with them. And this becomes the most challenging thing I think anybody could ever have to deal with in their lives is working so hard to get the courage to leave a person who has let their personality disorder, you know, dump all over the relationship. But now we've got to raise kids together from afar. Yes. And and one of the, the, the difficulties is narcissists, because they're so invested in their narrative, are telling the kids their narrative. And I've got many cases. Uh, I do mostly high conflict consultation now, but you know, for many years as a lawyer, before that as a therapist, many cases where the children start to believe and absorb the narcissist narrative. And so, mom, why did you break up the marriage? Mom, why do you why do you take all of dad's money? Mom, this and mom that. And by the way, it could be the other way around. I do have cases of female narcissists yes. and men who are in that more kind of stuck position, but it is more male. And this, this dynamic of persuading the kids is one of the hardest things to deal with. And 
They also were good at persuading professionals of their narrative. And so you're kind of between a rock and a hard place. But I can also give some tips for things to do. Well, you, of course, have your book, Splitting, which speaks exactly to all of this. Ladies and gentlemen, there is not a, a topic in this area that Bill hasn't written a book on, I think. I mean, if you go to the <laughs> website, highconflictinstitute.com and go to the store, I believe it's listed under, you yeah. are, uh, you're going to be blown away. But he he's book splitting, protecting yourself while divorcing someone with borderline or narcissistic personality disorder could just become your next like Bible in your, in your nightstand. Yeah, it's, it's really what I try to put there. And it's co-authored with Randy Krager, who wrote Stop Walking on Eggshells. Um, but the, the idea of what I put in there is really strategies to consider before you separate. So even if you decide you want to get divorced, before you say that, there's things that can be helpful to do. Then a lot about how to manage your case in or out of court and what to expect if you go to court, what to expect if you're out of court. Because mm -hmm. narcissists can persuade mediators of their narrative, they can persuade judges of their narrative, and sometimes even psychologists evaluating a case. I review evaluations for people at times, and sometimes evaluators get hooked by the narcissist narrative. So I was speaking to a uh, therapist, a child therapist recently, who had recommended that one of the parties involved in this case with the child who was having a hard time have a psyche valve. And I said to her, but isn't it possible that this person who's been duping everybody can dupe this person doing the psyche valve? And she said, well, yes and no, because if it's a good evaluation, they're going to look at multiple factors in this person's life. They're personal relationships, their professional relationships, and that's where they can find the patterns. And that was very relieving to me because that's information that I can now share with my clients. But is, do you see that being the case? What, what I see is psychologists are the best at catching narcissists, but they don't catch all of them. Okay. But they're the best. They're much better than judges who really don't have the knowledge background and don't have the depth of information about the case. Mm -hmm. And they're better than, than mediators. Now, I, I, do, I do a lot of mediation. I train mediators so they know to be aware of these things. Um, but there are some mediators that get hooked into and they start saying, well, can't you just agree to let him have you know, everything he's asking for? Um, because they feel sympathetic because they've caught, caught up in this narrative that mom's controlling and dad just wants to be with the kids, things like that. It's so, so they get exhausting. A, yes, yes. It's, it's just but exhausting. I, but I do want to say that psych, a psychological evaluation is often what gets some of these cases, especially court cases, straightened out. So I encourage people, because the key is the deeper you can go, the more you, this, this can be explained to people. But I also want to give you tips for how your, your people can explain the case to any professional to have more success as well. Please share, because okay. I, I know 99% of the time people are not moving forward with a psyche valve. And even if they did, it's very hard to change somebody with NPD. 
Yes. Um, so yes, your tips are always needed and so valuable. Well, let me tell you, because splitting, the new new edition came out in 2021. And so I have a new chapter on presenting your case. And let me see where that is. I always like to, it's chapter 14. And here's the key to presenting your case. Narcissists communicate with simplicity, emotion, and repetition. And that's why they persuade people to buy their narrative. So you need to communicate with simplicity, repetition, and some emotion plus facts, because that's what they're often missing. So here's the strategy I found is most effective, and I teach people. That is, think of the three most concerning patterns of behavior. Like it may be emotional abuse of children, or it may be manipulation of professionals, because they can often do that. There may be there's some physical abuse involved. Whatever the three most concerning patterns are, and organize your information under those patterns, and give examples like the three worst examples of this pattern, like emotional abuse is, you know, screaming at the child, they're an idiot and they'll never amount to anything. Or I just heard the other day, a woman yelling at a seven-year-old, you should drown yourself in the bathtub. Oh my gosh. And the seven-year-old's going, oh, is that what I'm supposed to do? I don't oh want to do that. Yes. Talk about emotional abuse. She didn't. Um, in this case, her father was the reasonable person. Mm -hmm. And she told dad and dad's like, you know, mom's not going to be giving you baths for a while. But the idea is that you come up with the worst examples. Don't, don't think in chronological order. And a lot of people present their case. This is when we got married. This is when, and they go chronologically, but you need to grab people at the start with the most concerning examples. Mm -hmm. I even suggest that people write a two-page uh, summary of your case and your case information that you can hand to a lawyer you're thinking of hiring. If you have an evaluation, you hand to it to the evaluator along with 400 pages of case information. And screenshots. Yeah. <laughs> and something that you can even file with the court so that there's a nutshell version that has the most concerning headings or themes as the three worst examples. And this gets them right away understanding what your case is about. Is this a case of domestic violence? Judges want to know. And if it is, don't save that for page 27. <laughs> you want to get that out at the beginning. In many cases, there isn't domestic violence, but there's a lot of emotional abuse mm -hmm. with narcissists. They're, they're constantly spilling out criticisms, negativity, and they do it in front of the kids and they do it to the kids. Mm -hmm. And so the worst examples, so that a judge can go, oh, this is a really extreme case, rather than, oh, it's another he said, she said. Right. And so this approach, and, and it's spelled out in chapter 14, I believe is the key. It's like an advertising campaign. And narcissists are good at advertising themselves. 
And and unfortunately, you have to advertise yourself back. And I think the the biggest thing to keep in mind there is shifting your mindset from that of fear and, yeah. you know, how he might retaliate to I'm going to lay this all out there because I deserve to be heard and I deserve to be protected. And I have faith that somebody will see through all of this. Yeah. And I often talk to people who've been afraid to go to court. Maybe they had a negotiated marital settlement agreement and it's a couple years later and things are just not good. Like they're doing a 50-50 parenting and it's really not going well. And they say, I'm afraid to go to court. And I said, from what you've told me about your case, court may be the place where you have a grown-up in the room, right? where you have an adult saying, this is what's okay and this is what's not okay. I say it all the time. Sometimes the best thing you can do is get in front of a judge and, yeah. and hash things out there. Not that it's always going to go your way, but sometimes it doesn't need to go fully your way. Maybe there's a different solution. Yes. And sometimes that you're comfortable going to court makes the narcissist stop and think, huh, maybe I don't want to go to court and I'm going to bend a little bit on this. Another thing I want to make sure I mention is keep track of things, keep a journal. I was just talking with somebody this week about how the the narcissist in their case doesn't exercise their visitation a lot of the time. And they say, you've got to keep a record of that. Yep. So when they come to court and say, I want more time, you can say, yeah, but look, he gave up like 15% of his time last year. And here's the dates and times that happened. So keeping good records. really. I helps. always say there is never enough data that you can collect right. when it comes because push when push comes to shove, you're going to have to present your case. And if you just have everything here in a nice little package to hand over to your lawyer or to the judge and say, well, here's proof as to why I'm right. It's yeah. invaluable. It really, you know, people worry about court where there's arguments made, but courts really do look at evidence. And if you have good evidence and you're well organized, Judge, because that makes the judge's job so much easier. Mm -hmm. They can say, as it shows here, these 10 examples of such and such, therefore I'm ordering such and such. Mm -hmm. Make the job easy. Um, that's the key. Wait, 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 wait. Before we do anything, I have to ask, have you not joined the Moms Moving On membership community yet? This is the place I created for anybody looking for the benefits of coaching without having to commit to a high coaching fee. I've rounded up my go-to experts to put together curated content just for you, including free monthly webinars with me, self-confidence boosters, co-parenting tips and strategies, heartbreak advice, divorce anxiety relief, legal advice from top U.S. attorneys and mediators, financial advice, ebooks to help you on your journey, journal prompts and worksheets, discounts for all my favorite brands. The list goes on and on and on. And all of this at only $9.99 a month. Yep, you heard that right. $9.99 a month to be connected to women all over the world who are going through exactly what you're going through and to connect with me. Go to momsmovingon.com slash become a member and join us today. Okay, so for many of us, we may not be going back to court, but we may be, you know, plagued with another 
10, 12, 15 years of co-parenting with a narcissist, what are some top tips you have to just maintaining your sanity and knowing that your kids will be okay in the long run? Yeah, I think it's so important to know that what you do makes a big difference for the kids. And the kids notice your success, Mm -hmm. your sense of confidence, your sense of calm. They like that. Frankly, narcissists are often stressed because what they're doing doesn't work. Mm -hmm. And kids can see that and go, you know, I have a lot of cases where kids are starting to become adolescents and they're saying, you know, dad's just, he's so unhappy all the time. Um, These kinds of things. So what I suggest is be the best parent you can be, teach your child good things. But in particular, I have four big skills that I call the big four big skills for life. And to teach your child this at any age, really, and that's flexible thinking rather than all or nothing thinking, mm-hmm. managed emotions rather than unmanaged emotions, moderate behavior rather than extremes, and checking yourself rather than blaming others. Yes. And if you make this part of kind of daily conversation, Oh, the guy on TV, is he managing his emotions very well? No, not at all. Uh, We were in the store the other day and we used our flexible thinking, didn't we? Because the product we wanted wasn't there and we picked another one. So you make these skills part of life. They start noticing, well, dad's not using these skills and he doesn't seem very happy. Mom's using these skills and she seems to be doing okay. Mm -hmm. So that kind of teaching those four big skills, and by the way, they're they're in the that that approach is in the back of our Biff book, uh, Biff for Co-Parent Communication. It's one of the appendix, one of the appendices. So I think some of your listeners may have that already. They, Tell them to look in the appendix. Either have it or they've seen me and some of the many um, Instagrammers out there who are talking about divorce mention your Biff method, which is very helpful. But I also want to add something too, because when you're at the beginning stages of this and you see that there is, you know, I just find that alienation kind of goes hand in hand with a narcissistic personality. Yeah. Um yeah. That there is hope because I've seen it in my own experience with my parents' divorce. My father was heavy on the alienation and trying to badmouth my mom and and my family and, and all the people I loved most. And it didn't take me much longer than nine or 10 years old to realize, well, hey, like all these people seem great. You seem to be the one with the issue. Kids are smarter than we give them credit for. And I want to tell any mom listening who is up against a, a, a battle with somebody who is constantly bad-mouthing her to the kids that your children will eventually see what's what. They're smart enough to do that. And it is not your job to say, oh, daddy's crazy. Don't listen to what he says. You just say, honey, we're allowed to make our own opinions and go about your day in peace. Exactly. And they may say, well, dad yelled at me. And you say, well, just remember, we can control our own emotions, mm-hmm. and that's what really matters. Mm-hmm. So don't, you know, don't, don't take things personally that belong to somebody else. It can t- start to feel really, really, really hopeless when you realize that this person just isn't going to let up. They're relentless like a dog with a bone, 
carrying on about things that happened 10, 15 years ago, and you're just trying to get through your day and parent your child, what advice can you give to that hopeless, hopeless person <laughs> who's just hit rock bottom with all of this? Yeah, I think first of all is, is work on your self-talk and tell yourself, I'm doing okay, I'm managing, and think of pacing yourself with this because some narcissists, a lot of narcissists are really like flaring up for about two years around the time of the separation and divorce, and they eventually get distracted and may calm down and, and fade a little bit. Not eliminate, but fade a little bit. Others just keep at it. And so having your own matter-of-fact responses, that's like the BIF responses are brief, informative, friendly, and firm, and you're done. So don't let them live in your head. That's the key, I think, is your self-talk, um, just brief responses. Having a good support system really helps in terms of friends, maybe a therapist, um, maybe an ongoing relationship with a family lawyer in case you have to go back oh, next that's, year. That's the perfect trifecta, in my opinion. Yeah. I think therapy has really helped me personally see, well, first learn how I can deal with, with managing my emotions better about situations like that, but also take responsibility for things. Yes. And on the weeks where I feel like I just can't do this anymore, I'm reminded of how far I've come. I think therapy is actually as essential as breathing in some of these situations because you need someone to show you that it's not you, especially after years of this kind of abuse. Yes, yes. My, my favorite saying, and I teach this to people, is it's not about me. I work, I deal with a lot of high conflict people and they like to blame me for all sorts of things I never even dreamed of. Mm -hmm. And I go, just remember, Bill, it's not about you. It's what's going on inside of them. Yeah. Another thing that helps is post-it stickies on the bathroom mirror. And sometimes, Bill, it's not about you. Um, I would go into a high conflict mediation and I'd remind myself it's not about me and I'm not responsible for their outcome. They are. And I think a lot of people uh, divorcing a narcissist, you've been so tied into the narcissist that you're worried about how they're doing. And you're worried about whether they're going to do okay without you there to kind of take off the rough edges. Mm -hmm. And the reality is you can't control what they do and what's going to happen in their lives. And, and they I, often sabotage themselves. Yeah, they do. And I, and I have fallen victim too. And I've also seen this pattern with my clients is, you know, I'll, I'm just going to give him what he wants so he can stop bothering me. That doesn't work. <laughs> no. Being nicer to a, a toxic, high conflict personality is really just, you know, it makes them hungry. It whets their appetite. It whets their appetite. And it's so unfortunate because as decent humans of the world, we want to follow the golden rule and treat others as we want to be treated, but it just doesn't apply to this personality. You have to go a little further. One thing I want to mention, because you mentioned the just give them everything they want, is negotiating with a narcissist. Oh. And I have, um, you know, I write a blog for Psychology Today, and one of them is negotiating with a bully, I think. And the idea, especially negotiating a marital settlement agreement, and you have parenting, support, property, all that stuff, people just want to be done, so they give up a lot. 
Now, sometimes you may need to bend a little. I'm not saying not to, but bend a little, not a lot, and bend very reluctantly mm -hmm. so that you can say, I'm really not going to go farther than this. And because what happens is the more you give them, the more they want. Yeah. It's never, it's never the end. And the parenting plan, you have to remember people, your parenting plan is like your ultimate set of rules for your now co-parenting relationship. But narcissists don't really love rules and they sometimes feel rules don't apply to them. So don't be scared to use my favorite line ever, which is per the parenting plan, that's just not going to work when they are trying to demand more time from you or they feel entitled to stop by your house in the middle of the afternoon because they miss their kids. It, it's Per the parenting plan, it's just not going to work that way. Yeah. And, and it's interesting. I was consulting with a client recently who says that the child says, well, dad says we should all live together again. And she says, that's not in the plan. And dad says, let's change this and this. She says, it's not in the plan. And the child's starting to go, what is the plan? Right. <laughs> and so with parenting plans, with narcissists and other high conflict people, you have to be as detailed as possible. And you need to be consistent with it so that he can't say, well, you changed it last week. It's so so you want to be as consistent as you can. Listeners, it may sound like a full-time job to co-parent and and work through life with a narcissistic ex-spouse, but it's it's hard work and it's worthwhile work because the outcome is seeing your children thrive and you're going to want that no matter what. Yeah, and I think people should know, I'm, I'm talking mostly about problems, but they have solutions. Um, the book Splitting is filled with solutions. I've gotten feedback from many people saying that I predicted all the problems that arose in their case, but they were ready for them mm, and I they knew that. what to do. So there are solutions for all the problems that they bring up. And also the, the alienation issue or refusal, resistance or refusal to see a parent. The book I wrote about that's called Don't Alienate the Kids. And again, it's really somewhat predictive of behavior and what to do to avoid letting it take over. So all of this, I have many, many clients who are dealing with narcissists who say, in the last couple of years, I learned so much that's making my life so much not only easier but better because I learned how to manage a narcissist. And once you learn how to manage that relationship, it gets a whole lot easier. You don't take it as personally, and you just do what you have to do when the time comes to do things. Not taking it personally is so key. And it comes with a lot of time and experience and understanding also that the narcissist word is not the final word. Just because someone says something yes. doesn't make it true. I say that a thousand times a day. I have to repeat it to myself a thousand times mm -hmm. a day. And, um, and it's great to hear that you, the expert in this, can back that up. Yeah. Well, it's great. And I think I'm, I'm so glad your listeners uh, hear you and see you because I think you're giving them the kinds of messages they really need. And that really, it's, it's really in many ways teamwork. So I think we're all on the same team with the same message. I think people feel some hope. Thank you. I feel just so compelled to do this work because the more I share, the more women come out of the woodwork and say that this is their experience too. They need help with it. 
And I'm just driven by the fact that my mom dealt with this in a time where she was an immigrant to this country. There was no websites. There was no internet for her to do research on. She didn't know from, you know, the benefits of therapy and to just knowing that she got through it, like on her own, just makes me want to help everybody else around her because I wish I could have helped my mom back then. But Bill, you are so valuable. I'm endlessly grateful that we've been connected. So the books we need to check out today are Splitting, absolutely, if you're divorcing a narcissist or co-parenting with a narcissist. And even more than that, if you have fear of what might happen regarding parental alienation, you're going to want to read Don't Alienate the Kids. Obviously, you don't want to alienate the kids, but it's helpful to read if you are in a relationship with or coming out of a relationship with somebody who does engage in those behaviors. I think it'll help you understand that just because someone's trying to alienate you from the children doesn't mean they're going to succeed. And it gives you really great insight into what to do and how to speak to your kids in those situations. Thanks so much for having me on, Michelle. It's really great to be able to share this information with you. I mean, your at followers. this point, we should make this a standing appointment every month, <laughs> have a date right here on Zoom. I don't think the listeners would have a hard time with that. I, I'm I'm good with it. This is good. Well, I think I think because we think so similarly, and I think we can really empathize with what people are going through. I agree. Everybody listening, thank you for being here. Don't forget to check out the High Conflict Institute. They're online at highconflictinstitute.com and on Instagram at High Conflict Institute. Bill's books are everywhere, but you can look them up um, either on Instagram or on the website. And I highly recommend them so much. Do yourself a favor, educate yourself and, and gain a sense of control. Thank you for listening. I can't wait to hear the feedback from this one. I hope you've enjoyed it. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of Moms Moving On. I hope you found today's episode to be helpful, inspiring, and give you the advice you need to feel empowered and strong as you move on. Don't forget to come say hi on Instagram at the Michelle Dempsey and drop us a line if there's a specific topic or subject you'd like us to discuss. Thanks. Stay strong.